Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Rip. I'm your host, Ryan Ripkin, and this is a podcast where I bring on guests from a variety of industries to talk about their story. And regardless of the path that they have chosen to take, if you listen to the words, there is a lot that you can resonate and relate to. But if not, there are a ton of great stories. And today's episode's guest is Nick Moore. Nick is the long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens currently, but that's not how his journey started. He actually was drafted by the Boston Red Sox out of high school, and he played professionally in the minor leagues for them for four years before then starting his football journey, which then led to the NFL. So a lot to talk about there. We sat down at the Iron Rooster for brunch. Really great food there. Probably ate too much as always, but hope you guys enjoy. Nick has a great story to tell. But Before we get into the story, if you guys could please like, subscribe, and review the Off Script with Rip podcast, That'd be great because I want to try to make this better for each and every one of you every single week. All right. That's enough of me talking. Enjoy the interview with Nick Moore. Are we ready to order, guys? Going from the beginning here. Yeah. Draft out of high school. And where are you from? Uh, Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. So I was born and raised in north of Atlanta. Um, got drafted by the Red Sox out of high school. Was a two-sport athlete in high school. Played football and baseball. Um, <clears throat> originally was signed to go to Kennesaw State. Play baseball um ultimately got drafted decided i was going to do that before college um so i signed with him 2011 uh stayed there until april of 2015 got cut uh, at the very end of spring training like final cuts <laughs> and uh, walked on to, at georgia in june of 2015 graduated there in technically i graduated in, in august of 2019 right last football season was 2018 um, had a summer class to graduate in 19 and then signed with New Orleans Saints um, after college. Got cut second preseason game after the second preseason game and then uh, trained for a little bit. Had a couple workouts in 2019. Nothing stuck. So I worked at with this company in Atlanta. I was like a kind of a financial accountant kind of and then um, signed to the XFL in December of 2020 or 2019. The Vipers, yeah, Tampa Bay Vipers, and then uh, was there all the way till COVID, and uh, COVID obviously canceled everything, so league shut down, and then signed to Baltimore in um, March of 2020, and then been here ever since. What a journey! It's uh, been a journey, that's for sure. So, what what <laughs> were you fully in your mind? You were to sign at a at a high school, yeah. starting with that. Yeah, I was. I'd always dreamed of playing pro baseball. Like, you know, I grew up on. You know, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Derek Jeter, Chipper Jones. You know, being in Atlanta, yeah. born in the 90s, you had Chipper, you know, Andrew, Smoltz, Glavin, you know, Maddox, Javi Lopez, Andres Galarraga. I mean, I, we grew up in the Obviously. golden era of the Atlanta Braves, you know, in the mid-90s. And uh, so baseball was kind of always the dream. And uh, obviously it didn't work out for me, but uh, I had to give it a good run. Oh, man. Doesn't work out for a lot of people. No, yeah. Not a lot of people get drafted. Yeah. Not a lot of people get the opportunity. We're just talking about it. Mutual friends that we know that keep on playing. Yep. Cedric chugging. Mullins is one guy. Yeah, me and Cedric go back to high school. But that's what's funny is that you were even mentioned. You don't know how it's going to work out for people. No. You know, for Ced, I know. So you were with him in high school. I know he went yeah. to a junior college, Loisburg, I think is where he went yeah. after. And then went to Campbell. Yeah. You know, uh, he might have been a 13th round pick. But the point is, you don't know who's going to yeah, actually make it. You exactly. don't know when the light bulb goes off. No, yeah. Some guys, you know, like for me, by the time I figured it out, um, you know, it was kind of the end of it. 
Uh, it was a little too little too late. Uh, guy like said he figured it out and early before he got going, and, and obviously he's Cedric Mullins, so he's he's one of the best players in baseball. You know, it almost didn't happen where he got up there and the opportunity yeah. was almost lost. Yep. Nineteen was a rough year for him. Yeah, and he had a lot of things like even physically wrong with him too, but just the nature of the beast. He's he's persevered. I mean, I I've known him for a long time, and and said he was one year behind me in high school. Didn't play a whole lot when I was in high school with him. Um, so, you know, to get – he kind of backed up a guy that uh, we all thought was going to for sure make it to the big leagues as, as a center fielder. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, Cedric was the guy who made it and, uh, you know, ultimately put himself far above a lot of guys in the league at this point in his career. So he's a stud, and I'm super proud of him. And, and uh, He's crushing it. Yeah. It's it's really Thank cool you. to see. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to see that. So I'm excited for some of this. Yeah. Well, so I, I think those are here. Buffalo yeah. bites. Okay. This is like a breakfast spring roll. Okay. And That's Kyle what it looks usually like. should be the one to explain it, but yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna start here. That's kind of what it looks like. I'm gonna... That barely. It's well, in front of me, so I can't not dive into the good Buffalo bite. So we actually demoed this with my dad. Just see what it'd be like. Yeah. He was a terrible guest. Pro Bowl. The story of it is just interesting because you went from just one dream. Yep. Something else completely happened. We'll get into that. But yeah. You talked about figuring out kind of too late. Was that in baseball? Yeah. Was that just mentally figuring out? Because physically, you had tools. But you're a high school kid. It's going to take yeah. time. But was that more of the mental side you were having trouble figuring out? Or um, just I think it was a combination of both. Um, mentally, it was very difficult for me. Uh, I struggled a lot. My, my, my second full season, I uh, broke camp with the Greenville Drive, low A, and immediately didn't see a lot of success right out of the gate there. And I was having, I was having a hard time like separating hitting from defense and then from one game to the next game and then – you know how it is. It's real. It's real easy when you play every day. Stuff to start piling up on top of each other. So you start out 0 for four, and then the next thing you know, you're 0 for 51, and then it's like, <laughs> when's my first hit gonna happen? I think I was, I think I was actually 0 for 18, and my first hit was a was a home run. And uh, I remember texting my agent on the bus. We were in Hickory, North Carolina, and it was like, finally, it was it was probably like the sixth game or something, fifth or sixth game. And I was like, finally got my first hit. It was a home run. <laughs> uh, but you know, I struck out a lot. Uh, that was kind of the, the biggest thing for me was I didn't put the ball in play enough to to give myself a chance. I mean, if you don't put the ball in play, you're never going to know if you're going to get a hit or not. So I um, I struggled a lot in Greenville. And that whole 2013 season, I mean, I struck out a lot. I think statistically I was probably – I think I, I didn't put the ball in play like 41% of the time. I went – I had a plate appearance. So whether it was a walk or a strikeout, you know, I just wasn't giving myself a chance. So that mentally, that was really difficult. But I think there was a lot of physical, like technical stuff that I needed to develop. And by the time I figured it out, like when I started making better contact and like putting the ball in play and really driving the ball in the gaps. I mean, I'm a big guy. I played first. I got drafted to the third baseman. I played first, you know, I played corner. You, you got to hit. You got to drive yeah. the ball in the gaps. You got to bang. You got to hit yeah. the ball over the fence. You got to get RBIs. And uh, I just didn't. I didn't quite produce the numbers I should have. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was 
I, I wasn't I was kind of hard-headed at the beginning I thought you know I didn't need to change anything and then I got humbled really quickly I, I had some success really early in my career and um I was a 30th round pick so I was a late round guy and I played really well in 2012 in the GCL and I you know I, I moved up a lot quicker than I think they thought I was going to and then I kind of just hit like halted really quickly and I was unable to kind of dig myself out of that for about a year and a half. Yeah. And then uh, by the time I did, you know, they drafted a second round first baseman named Sam Travis. Who, know. Thank you. Nice. Um, you know, Sam Travis, and, uh, he was second round pick out of Indiana and ended up making it to the big leagues. So he kind of, once he got drafted, I was kind of like, I was playing really well. But then when he got there, he's a new guy, second round pick. He's going to get the ABs in the playing time. And I went from playing, you know, every basically six days a week when I was earlier in my career to I was lucky to play twice a week at the end. Yeah. And that was when I was playing like my last season. I saw a career high in every statistical category except for my my at-bats. I had the career low in ABs. And I, you know, career high, I had like 270 that year. You know, I only had 129 ABs. So I had five homers, you know, 10 doubles, like – I was hitting the ball well, just wasn't getting a lot of opportunities. And, you know, by the, like I said, by the time I figured it out, they were, they moved on to someone else. And Sam ended up making it to the big leagues relatively quickly. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I, I think I maxed out my potential as a baseball player. I wasn't – I don't have any regrets for, like, deci ultimately deciding not to re-sign anywhere or, or try to play any ball or, you know, do – I got invited to – do extended in 2015 with the Orioles, actually, and because they were in Sarasota, and for some reason in my career, you know, in, in the GCO and extended and stuff like that, you, we were in that same divisions where we played the O's, the Rays, and the Twins every, you know, every two every, days. Oh yeah, every week you play teams. You know, Monday, Tuesday we played the O's, Wednesday, Thursday we played the Rays, and then Saturday or Friday, Saturday we played the Twins. Yeah. And for some reason in my career. I always found success against the O's. Like I always had my all my best games were against the O's, and they they called me like right before. So I guess it would have been the beginning of May, and uh, we like wanted to see if I wanted to come down to extended. And ultimately, I was like mentally I was burnt out from baseball, and it was almost like a relief when I got cut. I was like, oh thank God, I can like it was you know it hurt and it was kind of a shell shocking to for a minute. But at the end of the day, like it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, but you felt I felt like it sounds like you, you, the writing was on the wall. You could sense it coming. Oh, I knew. So were you just stressing yeah. out? I was leading up to it, or, or yeah. you just were you ready for the moment to happen? Just you know, like you here. when you're going through spring training, you kind of start. Like I was there. I had been there long enough to know, like okay. This, these guys have to play in these certain with these certain teams because of their age, when they were drafted, how well they played at this level, blah blah blah. So you start piecing together the rosters, and without being naive or, or dishonest with myself, there was no good way for me to piece the rosters together where I, it made sense for me because I was I was 22. There was no way I was gonna not break camp. Like extended was out of the question. Yeah. And I finished up the 2014 uh, season with Salem Red Sox. So I was in high A, basically just riding the bench, playing like once every two weeks, it yeah. felt like. And 
So you're piecing together the roster and you're like, there's just no way that I fit on any of the teams that I sh- I'm supposed to fit on. Yeah. And I'm not going to go to, they're not going to send me to extended for the th- fourth time. No. I broke camp in 2013, but I was quickly back and extended after six weeks with the low 18. So it wasn't gone super long. Um, so extended and I were, we were pretty close. Your buddies. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, so yeah. I was definitely ready for it, but it was like, we did cuts on Fridays. And so the week before I thought I was going to get cut. And one of my best friends at the time, he, it was kind of a, there was kind of like three of us that were, were best friends. We all kind of were one, the kid, Kendrick Perkins, he got drafted the year before I, I did. And Mookie Betts got drafted the same year as me. And we were kind of like the three amigos. We were like, and you know, we always hung out together. We were all best friends. Obviously Mookie is, is Mookie Betts. And, uh, so he kind of hit the, you know, hit the elevator straight to the big leagues. Essentially, that's how fast he went through the minor, every level of the minor leagues. Um, and me and Kendrick, we just didn't, wasn't our path. And so Perk got uh, cut the week before, and I, I was basically like that. Rest of that week, I was like, well, I really thought I was going to cut that week. Maybe they're going to give me another chance, you know, go on the Phantom or something, and just kind of be there in a supportive role. At, you know, in Greenville or Salem or whatever. Yeah, wait, and then, for, wait for an opportunity to come up. Yeah. And then that Friday that I did get cut, uh, it was – I wasn't surprised. I mean, I was – you know, in the back of my mind, I knew it was coming. But I was definitely hopeful that I was going to get at least one more chance yeah. because I just started turning the corner. And I played pretty well that spring. Yeah. But, again, it was like – like I would go two for five in a game with, you know, two hard-hit balls and at three Ks. Yeah. So it was like – wasn't putting the ball in play a lot, and it was really, you know, it was that really hindered my career essentially. That was kind of the story of my career. But well, so they prioritize guys. At the end oh, hundred percent. I mean, and that's yeah. the thing. It's you don't you don't blame guys. Just yeah, dig in a little bit here. Yeah, you don't they, blame guys. Just the priorities happen. You know, I, yep. in my last year, Tyler never got traded in the COVID year over to Baltimore, and then they told me like that was going to be a priority there, and then towards the end. They just have different guys they want to give it bats to. And yep. whether we like it or not, like, you know, the teams have to make choices. Yep. And, and sometimes they make the right choice. Sometimes they don't make the right choice. Mm-hmm. You know, other examples for the Orioles, the guy named Evan Phillips, who started his career with the Braves, I believe. Okay. And Evan was, got traded over when the Orioles re, re, were rebuilding. Yeah. He's in AAA, but wasn't pitching a lot when I was there in 21. He got released. Got picked up by the Rays. He then got DFA'd by the Rays. Then got picked up by the Dodgers, and now he's one of like the best relief pitchers in all of baseball right now. So the point is, like, you just don't know how it's going to work out. The Orioles prioritize a different guy yeah. or different guys, and yeah, exactly. But so it is what it is. But it just it still does suck when you feel like you finally mm-hmm. finally have that moment. Yeah. But then you, but. It's natural. The burnout part of it is actually funny, not funny, but the, the coincidence of another guy, another Raven, like Hayden Hurst. I played with him in the Under Armour All-American game in high school for baseball. Okay. He got drafted, signed, and then he was done with pro ball, and he went back to play college football and then gets yeah. drafted in the first round. I actually played against him in college. He was at South Carolina. Yep, exactly. The Cox, yeah. I, I was in South Carolina for a year. I don't know if you knew that. I was oh, in my no. freshman year in 2012, okay. 2013. Yeah. That, yeah. One year. Very cool. Yeah. That was back when they were prime when Jack, Jackie Bradley was coming out. Yeah, Jackie Bradley just left. Yeah. Christian Walker yeah, he got just left. the same year as me. 
Jackie. Jackie, Christian Walker left. Walker's on the – Who was that? They had a, didn't they have a left-handed pitcher Michael there? Roth. Yeah, that's right. That's a guy right. that's like the best college yeah, yeah. pitcher ever. Yeah. Um, it won was two he the guy teams. that went straight to the big leagues? Almost. Yeah. It was quick. And then I think it kind of fizzled out when he got up there, but he moved really quickly up. Yeah. Um, like same year as the draft or something? Yeah, it was because like within a year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, crazy. yeah, bananas. But anyway, also South Carolina, another note, they were actually still good at football back then. They're they're getting better right now. Yeah, Coach Beamer, I was with him at Georgia for two years, and uh, he's going to turn it around. I think I, I, I like him a lot, and I, I think he's doing going to do a really good job there. So, oh gosh, trying to trying to take care of myself a little bit right yeah. now. It's not working out. Obviously, I got that French toast. So absolutely insane. Here you go. Thank Oh. Yeah, bre- breakfast for me or brunch is I could eat it all day. That's really yeah. what's your go to for food? Like, if um, you- I am a huge steak and eggs guy. Mm. I, uh, I've been doing obviously today, I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, weight's always been kind of an issue with me since I got into football. Um, and I found I've tried a bunch of different, you know, dieting, whatever you want to call it. I found a lot of success with like a carnivore type diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I've been doing that on and off for a while for about the last year. I just love, I love a good steak. And who does? Well, man, yeah. there are a lot of people. There that are, like yeah, there are a lot of people. I love steak, but, but I think the, the thing is like, who, who cares? Like, I think everyone, their diet, everyone's different. Yeah. If people don't want to eat meat, great. No. You love meat. I love, I love a good steak. I, I, love I eat everything. Yeah. I love meat. So you got to do what works for you. And some guys are adamant of saying, well, I could eat anything at any time. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm, sure. Yeah, I but, wish. <laughs> but for some guys, it's not. I was the no. same way. I felt like I ate healthy. I used to be, you probably don't believe it, I used to be like 245. Did you really? Yeah, you can ask Gavin so you're, you're, about you're, it. Uh, yeah, I might have Slim to. Down. I might have to ask Gavin because you look tiny right now. Well, tiny. Well, yeah. Like skinny compared to 245. Tiny. You hear that over here? <laughs> I mean, I'm up. 265, so. When I played, you, yeah. well, I mean, you had the bulk up a little when bit. When I played too. baseball, I was like, 225, 230. Since I've been in football, when I got in college, I was like 240, 250. And then uh, since I've been with Baltimore, I've been flirting around 260 my whole the whole time I've been here. Well, it's good. Mm-hmm. So talk to me then. Like you, did you know you wanted to go back and play football? Like that was immediately when you were done playing baseball. You're going, yep. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm young so. enough. I had some guys I played high school football with. And, and believe it or not, my it's 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 funny when I tell people this. I had one accolade in high school in baseball, one, and it was a player of the month for like April my senior year. And I had every accolade I got in high school was from football, and so I, you know, but I was a slower guy. You know, I played safety in high school, which I never would have played in in college, and I wasn't super fast, so. You know, defense is kind of where I played my whole life, and that was kind of out of the question. Um, but I had some guys I played high school ball with that, you know, I kind of was just like, look, they're on the team. Like, one one guy was on scholarship. The other two guys were walk-ons. And I was like, they, they saw some good PT. So I was like, man, like, I know them. I grew up with them. One of them I had played with since I was seven. So, like, I knew him my whole life, you know, and he's, he's, he's still one of my good friends to, to this day. And, um, I'm like, man, if Cam is able to get like get real playing time, you know, as a as a third and fourth year player, like maybe I can go and kind of do the same thing. And 
I saw some PT right away. I played my first game at, at Georgia. And then my first year, I kind of played like three games. I think I, I think I actually only played like 11 plays. But, um, but yeah, baseball, I mean, uh, football kind of, once baseball ended, my brain, I didn't necessarily shift to like, I'm going to go try to play in the NFL. It was like, I needed a, kind of an outlet to, to kind of take my mind off of ultimately losing my childhood dream. And I decided I was like, I'm gonna, I need to go to college. There's not a question of that. So I was like, I'm going to try to walk on somewhere and, and see if I can, you know, find some playing time or at least make connections and, and meet guys. It's an easy way to meet people, you know, in the, at the university and as well as like using that to network outside of it. And that was kind of the plan was like, go walk on some big power five SEC school, um, meet some good dudes, and then be introduced to people in the business world and use that football connection to kind of help propel me in life after sports and after college. And that was the plan going in. Obviously, you know, seven, eight years later, I'm still playing football. So everything happens for a reason, but I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah, now. I mean, the relationships, that's really like the name of the game. You're able to build, yeah. build you had the right idea. Absolutely. You said the childhood cutting it short. Like, so mm-hmm. clearly that, that dug deep for you. How hard was that initially to kind of like let that go? Or because you got to the point of saying, hey, like I, I, I you're at peace. Like mm-hmm. even for me, I knew it was the time to walk away. Yep. That's what it was. But it still doesn't necessarily feel good. You know? So I mean, it stings. It hurts like hell. I, I had a lot of time, you know, essentially I had – my, Sam got drafted. Sam Travis got drafted in what June of 2014, and I essentially had from June of 2014 until I got cut on April 3rd of 2015 to kind of make my peace with it and you know kind of give it everything I had at the end. And you know, like I said earlier, I don't have any regret like any regrets with baseball. I gave it everything I had. I think I maxed out the player that I could have potentially ever became. So. You know, I had a lot of time to kind of – I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised when it happened. Doesn't mean it still didn't hurt like a little bitch, but, you know, it is kind of what it is. And, you know, giving giving something up like that that I – that was all I ever thought of. Like, my mom has this whole thing from when I was in, in kindergarten. Then I, everyone was like, what do you want to do? And whatever. Mine was to be a pro baseball player. And, you know, it's not – it's never easy to do that. But for me, it was like I got cut – and then on my drive back from Fort Myers to Atlanta, I was already on the phone with the college football team. So that definitely helped me transition and into the next phase of life that I went into. And But it didn't make it any easier. I mean, it was still really difficult for me. I think that's the thing. The shit does sting. Yeah. Even after the fact. Even if you know it's the right thing, you know it's good. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to tell people. And also, like, if you didn't ever chase your dream either – yeah. It would have been that, again. That's regret. It would have been. It would have been a lot worse. I think just not ever knowing. At least now, I know that I give. I, I worked my butt off for, you know, better half of four years, and it didn't work out. Yeah, I'm not. I can't be mad at that because I, I gave everything I had, and it just didn't work out for me. Um, yeah. But had I not done that, I would have always lived with like, well, what could have happened? You know. Yeah, I mean, so, and who knows how things would have gone. Exactly would, how this situation would have played out for you. You did an article with Baltimore Beatdown, mm-hmm. I believe, which I thought was an awesome read. So whoever, thank you, should I, I thought it was great. Um, I forget, I 
blanking on who exactly wrote that, but I, I want to say uh, Kyle Barber. Not 100%. Really, really so. good. Yes. And I'd recommend that people I check he did a it really out. Good job. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a really good article. And, um, but so going to, you, you went in as a linebacker and a fullback. Was it two? Yeah, I went in as a linebacker. Then I, I went in with Roquan as a linebacker. Well, Ter- terrible mistake. You and Ro- Ro- Roquan, I mean, you, you, you guys, you guys look like you're the same body <laughs> yeah, type. You know? he runs like a, he ran, I think he ran like a 4-3 coming out of high school. Right, like what you did, right? You're built for speed. Yeah, right? yeah. I was like a five flat, so <laughs> I quickly realized that I'm never going to play defense. I moved to long snap, or I moved to fullback after two weeks. Uh, after fall camp, so I think fall camp was like two weeks that year. Um, I moved to uh, fullback right after. So long snapper out of necessity, they asked, yeah. who can long snap, essentially? Yeah. yeah, it's one of those, like, we were sitting in fall camp, I was actually playing linebacker at the time, and Coach Rick was up there after practice one day, and he's like, "Our our uh, special teams coach, <clears throat> when I back then we had two special teams coaches, and the the what they would call the defensive special teams, which punt and kickoff return, um, sorry, punt and uh, kickoff. Um, he was the linebackers coach, so like he'd been kind of chirping at me for the whole time, like." I heard you could, my because my dad when we went on the visits, my dad was like, "Oh, he can long snap." You know, I'm in my head like, "All right, well, I'm gonna play a real position, not play long snapper." <laughs> and so after like one day of practice, I was like, "Yeah, I'm never gonna play a real position here." So I might as well figure it out. And uh, one day after practice, Coach Rick was like, "Is there anybody who can long snap?" And me and another linebacker, um, we both raised our hands. We we're both freshmen, and we we're like, "We can do it." And I was pretty good back then. I was super raw in 2015. Yeah. I was like. I mean, you got to remember, I played baseball, so I didn't, I didn't long snap for like five years, five or six years. Yeah. My last time I probably long snapped was 2010. So this is 2015. Into, this is August of 2015. So it had been right at five years, maybe even a little bit longer. And I was raw. I mean, I, I threw a decent ball back then. I was, you know, super raw, like I said. And Coach Rick, you know, liked what he saw. Gave me a couple opportunities in fall camp, like during practice. But my freshman year, nothing shook. I didn't play any long snapper at all. Scout team offense played uh, a little bit on like um, when we played out of conference games. I played little special teams like kickoff return and punt return and stuff like that. And then it wasn't until my junior, my sophomore year that I, when Kirby came into Georgia, that I actually started the long snap, like not full time because I was still doing fullback and I was still playing kickoff return. Um, but I was doing long snapping in practice on a daily basis. So I, I was starting to frequently attempt it. I was like, we had a guy who got hurt, and then I had a chance to maybe play my sophomore year. Didn't practice so well one day, and ultimately lost the the job to another guy. And he long snapped the whole season, but I still got to do it the whole year, kind of, while doing some other stuff. And then my junior year was when I officially moved full time to long snapping. No longer taking. I did fullback up until the season started, and then. Our starting long snapper got hurt in our last, like, we did, like, a fall camp practice, like, scrimmage kind of thing. Yeah. And he got hurt, which essentially one week before the first game. Yeah. So he, he gets hurt, you know, the Saturday before our first game. And Coach Smart was like, all right, you're done with offense. You're, you're going to long snap until he comes back. And then after he came back, I just, you know, they, they didn't really see the need for me to move back to offense. Um and that was it. I played long time for the rest of my way. My senior year, I, I played um, I played all 14 games my senior year. And here we are. So, 
Big question. What the hell do you do long snapping? And what exactly? <laughs> I, I know, understand. I, I get know. it. You gotta hike it, but it was a, it's more. It's more of a. What is the art? So I would say a hike is what a center does. Okay, like a, that's a good. That's a good way to change it. So yeah. So a hike would be like Tyler. What Linderbaum does, he just kind of shovel passes it back there with one hand. He's got way more responsibilities than snapping the ball, and he's got to call it. You know, tell the offensive line what to block, call the protection, all that stuff. So. He's got a million things going on. Snapping is like the last thing that he's worried about. Right. Got to deliver a decent snap, but there's a lot of leeway at center. So that's a hike uh, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and what what we do at Long Snapper, it's it's a lot it's – it's much more specialized in the sense that I use two hands, so it's obviously – technically it's very different than playing center. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I'm expected to essentially deliver a perfect snap 100% of the time. And all while simultaneously blocking massive individuals coming like, right at you, yeah, like uh, Miles Garrett or Aaron Darnold or Jadavian Clowney or, or or you know Chris, Christian Wilkins with the Dolphins. A lot of small, yeah, unathletic very, guys yeah, yeah. charging they're, at you. Um, <laughs> you know they're easily you know they're easily stopped and movable people. So yeah, <laughs> it's no big deal. And uh, oh, so gosh. I think the the art is like you know you got to – Better yet, what are some questions that you would have on Long Sam? Because it's art. I could dive into some stuff, but I think okay, yeah. I mean, I think the art. I think when people look at it, I think some people think, "Wow, it's it's that's got to be that easy." I know it's not. <laughs> like you think, like, "Oh, I just got to make a good snap." Oh yeah, and my teammates think that still, and until then, it's like, "All right, well, you give it a shot," because we we got to have a backup. Yeah, that is a position player that's on the roster that's active for the game. Yeah. So it can't be like an actual long snapper. No. Because they're not going to waste a roster spot on two long snappers. You no. Know? So we have like player position player tryouts, and, and we've been very fortunate here in Baltimore for the last eight years to have Nick Boyle, who wasn't actually a long snapper in college at Delaware, as well as a tight end. Um, so he was like legit. So there was really no worries about who's going to be a long snapper if, if something happens in a game to Morgan or myself. And until now – Nick's no longer on the team, and there's a lot of worries because it's everyone's everyone's laughs. They're like, "Oh, it's no big deal," until it's like, "All right, it's your turn to go in front of the team with Harb standing right behind, you know, right next to the punter or right next to Justin." Like, no pressure. It's just practice, dude. You you got this. No no big deal. So it is it is funny because most people assume it's not very difficult. Well, and the other part of it too, and and, I, and that's why. And again, being a professional athlete i don't care what position anyone plays in any professional sport yeah to be the best of the best or whatever you have to do with your craft like mm-hmm. just shit ain't easy like it's not no. and especially there's a reason why morgan cox was around in baltimore mm-hmm. for as long as he is and was considered one of the best in the business yeah. so the point of it being is for special teams how i always looked at it was kickers get a lot of heat for missing kicks mm-hmm. we see that there's a lot of pressure on yep. guys careers get ruined they miss kicks but just as much you have a bad holder, and you don't have a guy that can deliver the ball first and foremost. Because mm-hmm. you don't do that, not, nothing else can happen. It makes it really difficult for you know the, the kicker to do their job when you know the snapper's not very consistent, or the holder who struggles catching the ball, or got to spin the laces, or misses a spot, or whatever. Yeah, oh, definitely boy. makes it a lot more challenging. A little bit of room left. Uh, brown sugar tart and strawberry cheesecake. Um, my goodness. Oh, so much for dieting. That's out the window today. 
It's a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to get in. Yeah, I'll take the blame. I'll take the heat. You can get, you can get back to that. Yeah, I'll wait till Monday. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Launch staffing is it's a very small job, but it is very important and it's very difficult. I'm going to chill. How are you feeling so far? Good? Mm-hmm. Food is amazing. Well, my, I told my wife when I pulled up, I go, I was like, this is not good, babe. She's like, what? I'm like, this place is right next to Bob's Furniture, and she loves Bob's Furniture. We, I went to where we got one of our couches, mm-hmm. and she goes, oh, this is going to be great. Any any excuse for her to go to Bob's Furniture? She That's where I got one of my couches from, too. Yeah, it's kind of the, you know, it's a, it's a really nice store, but it's like not... You kind of you don't have to keep over the Joneses in a sense. You can get a nice couch for a reasonable price. Oh yeah, I got mine and, for like six hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, and not pay the. We got like the knockoff cloud couch. If you know what the cloud is, they're, they're like fifteen thousand dollars. Like oh. the yeah, they, our house sells them in like some other places, and they're like the modular couches. Fifteen G's. Oh, some of them are way more than that. What? But like they're like the ones that you can kind of rearrange them however you want. Yeah. There's no like arm, so all the pieces are the same, and you can kind of design it how However whatever shape want. to fit your room and so we got like kind of the bob's furniture version of the of the cloud couch amazing couch like my you, dogs you especially my, we have it in our basement at our house here our new house and my, my wife and i were talking the other day we're like i think we're just gonna start hanging out in the basement dogs love the couch we love the couch it's like it's like the perfect lounge couch where you just lay like you can just watch a movie and yeah. just lay down and that's nice. not move for Know, multiple hours. What type, of, what type of dogs you got? What pup, uh, German folks? Shepherds. Oh. Yeah, so we are we are German Shepherd. German Shepherd folks. We have two. Uh, we have Bella. She's five. She's all black. German, or she's about to be five. She's all black German Shepherd. And then we have uh, Klaus, who is our new addition. He's uh, seven months, I think. Yeah, he's, uh, he might, yeah, he's eight months, he's actually. He'll be eight months on, what's it, 29th? Or the 30th? 30th. 30th. So, yeah, tomorrow. It'll be eight months. Hey now, yeah, yeah I, I he's gotta, uh yeah. he's like a mix. He's like a dark red, like a like a he's got like brown and dark red, like an amber color, and then he's black on the top. He's a good looking dog. I just got a or Jamie and I have a golden retriever pup just turned one. Oh yeah, this past month. We love my my this I grew up with. My dad had one growing up. Yeah, I'll, his name's Ollie. He's uh, pissed that. Um, I'm not home right now, but he's good. He, I he's, we got a nice that was the thing. I was getting the dog walker situated today. I don't want to um, cut you off here, but this is like a giant pup tire. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're going for here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. Sure. It's like a strawberry pup tire. Oh, it is. And that's looking like a brown sugar pup tire. It is. That's not good. I grew up on brown sugar pup tarts. Did you really? Like literally my favorite food growing up was brown sugar pup Oh yeah. It, well I still eat them like sometimes. When well, I, well during the season when I'm like Slacking on my diet. Well, when oh my god. Well, when next time you want your wife to come mm-hmm. by and try, we so when Steve Johnson was here, we tried eight roost tarts. Wow. I didn't hear what she said. What they were, so it makes sense. Roost tarts. I took all it took was one bite. Now I'm addicted. No, yeah. this is bad. This is bad for me. This French toast is also fantastic. I did. I, you know, uh, some good stuff here. My uh, mom is a baker, and I am. Sucker for sweets. I have the worst sweet too. Baker for your mom. So what? What was your mom's like specialties? What did she? What did so, she like to cook? And what are your favorites? She is a. 
she was a teacher for a long time and kind of did the cake like she did cakes and stuff on the side for like friends or whatever yeah. and then like she retired a couple years ago and kind of started doing this cake thing yeah like kind of full time and she'd always bake like birthday cakes you know growing up yeah and now she kind of does it as her i guess if i don't want to call it a full-time gig because she kind of does it whenever she wants but essentially has her job and she makes the best cupcakes on the planet she did my my wife and i's wedding cake and there's a lot of wedding cakes and stuff like that but she makes these oreo cupcakes with like the oreo in the bottom oh man like a full oh it's those and she makes strawberry cupcakes with cream cheese on top it's it's those are my two favorite and and obviously She's a lot ruined of me. yeah a lot of other people's favorites yeah. those sound dynamite mm. Mm. I, i'm a big i'm a big sweet guy i mean ice cream always was my thing growing up mm. when i cut down the weight i was very strict on what i was eating yeah you have to but yeah, now yeah. that i'm but now that i've gotten down to this certain point i'd be like yeah i don't care you know mm. like i'm i'm gonna have my days uh maybe that's yeah. why i have more tequila on the rocks because it's like quote unquote healthier i was gonna say a lot i know a lot of my friends that are trying to be healthy alcoholics. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Drunks. Hel- healthy. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, let me get a, let me get a Tito's or a tequila water. Oh, and it's healthy. Well, none of it's healthy. No, it's technically water. Healthier. If you want to do tequila water and hold the tequila. Yeah. yeah I do that a lot. And that healthy. led to a really rough night. A lot of baseball guys I know or, love tequila water. They like, that's like their go-to. Yeah. Mine just, be- yeah. <laughs> I never got into the tequila water part. I got this morning just tequila on the rocks because I think actually there's one thing with my dad. Uh, he came to visit me one time playing, and um, we we had like an off day. And we we're riding around on bikes, which is actually hilarious because again, I was a big guy. He was a big guy. I say, yeah, he's a big guy too. Yeah, he's 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 massive. Um, it's no offense to him. Love you if he listens to this. <laughs> um, just just you know, I'm a big guy. Anyway, we went stopped at a bar. Or like, you know, along this upstate New York. I was playing actually in Auburn, New York for the double days. Oh, yeah. I, I played. Uh, so what was that? Short season back uh, then? Short season yeah. back then. That's why I got my call up. I was at but you're uh, the Lowell was, Spinners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. That's why I got my first call. My first like official call up was we were in Auburn playing the double the days. Double days. And I got sent to uh, Salem, Virginia. <laughs> Auburn to Salem. <laughs> yeah. Auburn. Quite the journey. Yeah, it is quite yes. the journey. But Auburn, so we, we were up, we we drove or we biked somewhere else around in upstate New York. It might have even been more towards like Ithaca, Cornell area, mm-hmm. like Cornell University. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Anyway, <laughs> we stop at this bar and he goes, I guess my dad was on the kick. He's like, yeah, I'll do a tequila on the rocks with a lime, you know, double tequila. And he goes, well, Ryan, what do you want? And uh, he goes, that, that might be too much for you. And I'm like, no, I'll do the same thing. It's exactly what I like. And he like looked at me, raised his eyebrow, and I'm like, no, I like this. Took like one sip, I was like, Ooh. and I yeah. was hurting, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, smooth. But then, I, like, this, <laughs> and then the second or third one, I'm like, damn, yeah. this is kind of good. And then I got hooked, and now I got, I got like 13 or 14 bottles. And you can even ask Gavin Sheets about this. I had so many bottles of tequila, and we like we traveled different places. So I went to Mexico, yeah, uh, to Cancun, and I went to one of these places and got like three. Uh, tequila is from one of the islands off of Cancun. Oh, wow. Probably overpaid, not probably, definitely overpaid. Definitely overpaid but, but then every time that people came really to good. Oh, when they people came to the house to go, hey, time for the samples. And yeah. I would just pull out all these bottles of tequila, 
people would be feeling no pain after some samples, and then we would, you know, whatever we do after that. I bet uh, it was some good, good clean tequila. Though. It was good. It was yeah, really. Was but there was one like dessert one too that would go well with all this, but because it's a little bit sweeter. I do. I, I had this um, shot in college. <laughs> they called it Baby Guinness in college. It was uh, coffee Patron and um, Bailey's. Oh, I'd be in on that. Actually, one of my favorite. I just thought of this. We were talking about tequila, and you said dessert tequila. Um, even though coffee's not necessarily a dessert tequila. Um, but probably one of my favorite uh, shots to go to. Doesn't really jack you up too much, but tastes really good. I'm a big taste guy. I mean, you got obviously big yeah, taste a big taste guy. I'm not, super, I'm not super good. Excuse me. I'm not super good with, like, uh, straight drinks. Like, I can drink whiskey straight, but, like, You'd rather have I'd something. rather have like a little bit of ginger ale or lemonade or something like kind of in it. Yeah, I don't drink nice enough whiskey to where I'm like, can't put anything in here. No, I, I, and, and, and I'm not should. one of those guys. I'm a, I'm the same way. I ain't to kill because I got so used to it. I will drink a lot on the yeah. rocks with things. Yeah, but to your point, sometimes it's just, it's just not worth it. No, at all. It'll uh, uh, it'll mess you up. Yeah, oh, no. the, the tequila on the rocks messed me up a few times. Um, Especially after that was something, tequila. I told you after the game, me and tequila became good friends, mm-hmm. uh, and not in like excessive ways, unless it had to have had to be. But yeah, and it and there were there were nights. Oh, I but, had we had a spot in Lowell that uh, that made like their own moonshine. What? Yeah, in like, Lowell. Yeah, it was like this. They had like their own. I don't even remember the, what the name of the place was. That tells you how many times I went up there. Oh, my gosh. But uh, but I got really friendly with that place. So, it's so many. It's so, like, I love the stories behind it because Lowell, I'm trying to think. I stayed in like a dorm when we went up to Lowell. By oh, yeah, we did. No, we, yeah. So, when I was there, we lived Donahue Hall. I'll never forget, it's my first college dorm. The only <laughs> college dorm I ever lived in, actually, was Donahue Hall. Um, and it was the student athlete uh, dorm and we would stay there the whole summer and we were up there in, in the short season. Yeah, that's the thing is that people don't think in pro ball that this is actually where guys are going to stay. It's like, you're not staying at this fancy hotel all the time. You're not no. staying at, you know, your own apartment, which now they're paying for that, by the way. Yeah, like, no, I was paying $300 a month to play, to live at the dorm. Exactly. Like that's the thing that people don't know about. You either had a host family or you were paying your own rent. And yeah, we had one host family in Portland. That was the only team that, in the organization that had host families. In Portland, Maine? Yep. That's where my girlfriend's from. She's from right outside of Portland. Oh, nice. Yeah, but, but but I mean, that's that's the city I actually love. I love it up yeah. there. But other than that, yeah, it's it's not what it seems. Uh, but the story I just remember with Lowell, I, we didn't stay in a dorm when we were there. We stayed in like a – it felt like it used to be a almost a retirement home turned into a hotel. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I swear that thing was haunted. No, I, I know because we, we would have to move out of the dorms like the last oh, like week of the season when yeah. the students came back, and we stayed at the hotel. Dude, that place gave me the I did not the have good vibes there. Oh no, yeah. not even a little bit. Besides that, I remember also from Happy Gilmore Shooter McGavin had an appearance there when we were in Lowell. Oh yeah, Shooter. We had some. We had some guys. We used to get um, Mickey and Dickie Ward the. If you've ever seen the fighter, the, the yeah. movie, they uh, they would come. Basically, well, Dicky didn't come a whole lot, but Mickey was there. Uh, he came a good bit to the games. 
Yes. It was as as without bashing Lowell here. That's, I mean, as not a good of a town as you know you would have hoped for. The baseball life there was actually super sweet. Like we've sold out like every game. I feel like yeah, because it was like summertime in Upper Mass. Like you know, we're like an hour from Boston. You know, a lot of Red Sox fans, and literally every night we have like four or five, four or five thousand people at the games, and it was just always a party. So we we had a blast up there. Oh yeah, I mean that's Upper Mass. People, it's it's a great time. It's a great area to be in, in the summer. Like I always yeah. like playing up there. Beautiful it's in the relax, summer. Yeah. Nice weather. It wasn't yeah. like ninety five, and you're sweating your bag off down in the south. Yeah, which in the Carolinas, that's like oh, what it was every single that night. Sally League, but that hit me different. That sounded like travel. Travel killed me. It was uh, horrible, dude. We played, we played Rome uh, when I was at Greenville. We played in Rome, Georgia, and then at seven p.m., go into like fourteen innings or something. Travel day, of course. No, of course. And the other two games were blowouts. Like they beat us really bad the first game. They had Brian McCann rehabbing, and then we beat them handily the second game. And we go like thirteen innings, and we got to go all the way to Charleston, West Virginia. Play the power, West Virginia power. It's like a nine-hour drive. Yep. But it's like we didn't get out of Rome until, you know, 2 in the morning. We got a game the next day at 7.05, luckily. But still, like, you sleep on a butt. Like, bring a town all p.m. and you just can't. You're, like, sitting in the seat trying to fall asleep on the seat in front of you. Well, and you might – and the, you don't have enough space. So, it's either you're on the floor or you're next to yeah. somebody. Not everyone had their – or we didn't have our own seat. Not Either everyone. Way. I, in that that particular trip, I was actually sitting next to Mookie Betts, and we both took some Tylenol PM, and neither one of us could sleep. And we're just like sitting there, laying our face into the seat in See? front of us, and just like I think we were playing Candy. I think that was when Candy Crush was hot back in 2013. But there was some there was some brutal trips. Oh, I, I remember some brutal I, trips. I, I, I tell people this before. I went. We went Charleston, South Carolina, doubleheader day. Oh no. Got oh, no. and the thing oh, with the no. du- doubleheader day, we got rained out. Or sorry, we got rained out in the second inning, so we had to play the full nine. So oh, at the top yeah. of the seconds, we played eight. That was back before they did the seven and yep. seven. On so the we got pumped. Well, then the second game they were going to make. Oh, maybe I think it was nine or so. I can't remember. But we had to play. It was going to be like sixteen to eighteen innings of ball that day. We got smoked. Is that the River Dogs? Yep, Charleston yeah. River Dogs. We got smoked. Yeah. And we're in the field for like three hours and fifteen minutes of the game, and oh, we're probably yeah. like in our own dugout for twenty. Yeah, it's 95, 97 with a hundred percent humidity. It's July, and you're, then right, you're, everything's sweating. And then right after that, we drive to Charleston, West Virginia. <laughs> Eight <laughs> hour trip. Sally League was got in at ten thirty a.m. Yeah, yeah, what a time. Yeah, Sally League was just fantastic. That really tests you. Know, I tell you what, if you really love baseball, going to the pro ball. Now it's changed. They made it better. But back then, it's like, you really love it? You're going to go through those moments. Yeah, like they – and even for us, like we had it better than when your dad was going through. Like those days were – I couldn't even imagine those days. At least we had phones and, you know, you could watch movies and do all that stuff. But it was still – I mean, it was still miserable. Don't get me wrong. Well, you know, they dealt with it. They just drink the entire I was going to say they did. Drinking and smoking cigs on the back. It's, it's, it's essentially what it was. <laughs> it would be, oh, it would be cooler, yeah. especially the drinking ages, 18 at the yeah, time. Back so it's just, days, yeah. all right, they're going to play cards. They're going to get coolers, yeah. put it on. A lot of gambling, Whammy. a lot oh, of yeah. drinking, a lot of smoking cigs in the back of the – we had so many coaches that were, like, older and 
they'd be, we had this one coach, UL Washington, who I, he was my hitting coach for two years in a row. He, he'd always be like, y'all don't know shit. He played the Royals with George Brett like in the 80s, you know. Like, y'all don't know anything, man. Back in my day, 77, we were driving in the bus. Like, come on. Come on. We'd have to get out and fix the bus. The tire would break. We'd have to all get off the bus, fix it, get it back on. It'd take us 20 hours to get somewhere. I'm like, I mean, I'm glad I didn't play back then, but I have heard some horror stories from back in the day. Oh, that's, that's, that's for it's sure. a whole different element. Oh, yeah. It, hey, but, I mean, I, I don't I – don't, I don't, I love the stories. I got. I, you, you, I know you got a ton of them. Yeah, I got a ton of them. Could go on for hours. Literally the, for hours. Well, baseball. <laughs> let's get back to the minor or the the long snap concept. So yep. we talked about the importance of getting it off. All right, give me like a technicality. Like, what are things you focus on with um, long snapping? So for me, I have uh, a couple things that like I, I use as kind of trigger words or. or thoughts i guess you would say okay so biggest things i focus on are i want to get as athletic and comfortable as i can in my stance so it's you know some guys are very like habitual with like feet got to be this far apart it's kind of like hitting batting stance everyone has a different take on it Mm -hmm. but i like to get you know in a comfortable position so it's never really the same like it'll change from snap to snap or day to day or whatever yeah with my stance and all that stuff. But I think the biggest things for me are like, I want to feel loaded on my backside. So like I want to feel tension, like in my hammies and my glutes, like in my lower back. And I want to feel like I'm loaded back there, like ready to fire. And then I like to think as calmly as I can, like as effortlessly, as effortlessly as I can make it, just snap my hands as fast as I possibly can. I think like, um, I like to think to myself, to my right hand, like I, I grab the ball, like I'm, I'm gonna throw it, and I like to just think about turning this, like having this turnover happen, yeah, as quickly and as violently as I can do it, while being as calm with my body as I can do, yeah. And I would like to be calmer if I could, but a lot of times, you know, it is what it is. But I, I just for me, I like to be simple thoughts, like we talk about here in Baltimore, like having minimizing the variables so that. When you have to replicate the motion over and over again, it's easier to, to do it exactly the same if you have fewer moving parts. Yeah. So I try to take all the other stuff out of it. I don't like to think, you know, I got to move my hips, so I got to move my legs. I try to stay calm with my head and snap my wrists over as quickly as I can. And it's worked out. It, my body kind of does the other stuff that I would say you need to do. Yeah. Like hips drive down so that your chest can raise up. When you go to block and your head kind of moves up to get your eyes up, my body kind of just does that because I've worked at it so much and it has become like it, it just become muscle memory, I guess, at this point. But I don't, I'm not telling myself like this is what I have to do. Still no. my hands, lower my hips. I'm just thinking really short, simple thoughts. Like I want to feel tension in the back of my body. Yeah. So all the way down my back and then just snap my wrists over as fast as I can. And, simple, simple, fine, yeah. simple. But I like, I like the, yeah. the, the flick of it. Yeah, I, I, I think of it as a flick, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I like that that's, there is an art to it. There's a method to the madness with everything. You yeah. do. I love the fact that you said baseball stance, and I'm imagining. Well, there's – it's to me, there's – a what I find most fascinating is there's so many similarities between what I do now and playing baseball. As a position player in baseball, you only get three to five ABs a game. Yeah. You know? So you have very limited opportunities. Right. So every time you go up there – the difference is, like, I have to be successful every time. Every single time. You guys – in baseball – 
thirty percent of the time, if you're successful, you're the best ever. Just stupid. Yeah, but so yeah, that's the only that's like the major difference. But like, it's everything is unique to the individual. So like, yeah. your batting stance was different than my batting stance. My snap form was going to be different than your snap form, and there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. But we have so many opportunities to go out there, and every time we go out there, we try to make sure that we are, you know, successful. And for me, it's just a successful snap for. For baseball, I might be just, you know, putting, you know, seeing a good count or putting the barrel on the ball or getting a hit or hitting a home run, however you want to look at it. But there's, <clears throat> to me, I think that's why I've easily translated to this position is that there are a lot of similarities and I've already built up, in a sense, I've already built up kind of that mental toughness, if you will, from dealing with so many failures in baseball that I learned to cope with. The, a lot of people have anxiety when they move to my, like do my job because you're on the stage. Like when you go to hit, you're the only guy hitting. So everyone's watching you. Same way with me. Granted, they can't see me quite as well, but like yeah. when I mess up, it is catastrophic. It's magnified. And yeah, you can see everybody knows like, oh, long snapper, you know, he sucks again. Um, so he has one job. Yeah. Snap the ball. Exactly. Kick, so kicker, kick the ball. That, yeah. So we're on that similar. You know that in that spotlight, kind of the same as we would be if I was hitting. Yeah. And so I think I I learned through having tremendous failures in baseball. I taught myself kind of how to harden through that and not that, like get because I had a lot of anxiety in baseball. Like I whether I club. yeah whether I would have admitted it back then or not. Like you know I just looking at it now it's like I was hindering my ability to play because I was so had so much anxiety and I was so far in my head that like. My body just didn't want to work. Was that anxious about <clears throat> about just messing up? Like you don't want to yeah. mess up or you were trying to figure out how you wanted your swing? I think a little bit of both. Okay. Like I was very technical and it was very mechanical, like hitting at yeah. the beginning. And then it wasn't until the end where I really just kind of said, F it. I'm going to do what feels comfortable. And it's different. You know, it's not that I will talk about, not that I would recommend changing your stance or whatever every day. Or, or purposefully changing it. But, like, over time, you know, your body wears during the season. You, you know, you st you're tight here one day. You worked out the day, like, before the game. There's other things that are going on that, you know, you might be dealing with an oblique. So it naturally kind of morphs into that motion for the day. And mm -hmm. I, my, I had a hitting coordinator that I used to talk about, like, you have to build your swing from the ground up every day. Yeah. And I look – I take the same exact approach to snapping. Like, every day when I go out there – I have these things that I do, like I from when I start warming up until I'm ready to play. Yeah. I do the same thing every day, and I I listen to my body and I kind of feel the flow of the day and what like okay, I'm tighter in my hips or my back's a little sore, so I'm gonna have to round my back out a little bit more than I you know, normally would. Or, and it just kind of flows into being as comfortable as I can because I think that moves over to helping my mind kind of relax. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of take some of that anxiety off me when I'm, I'm in a comfortable athletic position and I'm not forcing my body to get into a stance that it doesn't want to get into. Yeah. And I think in hitting, I was, just, that's how I was at the beginning. Like I have to have my hands here and I got to stand here. I got my feet there. And like, my head's got to be here and I got to see this. Guilty. And it just, it's not a way I, I was unable to perform. And in the end I was like, People laugh like my high school coaches mocked, used to you know make fun of my batting stance at the end. I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of took a David Ortiz esque approach at the very end. Um, the only difference was I I stood up vertical, but I still had that I had that huge hip 
like I used to think knob to my right knee. So I would like kind of bring them together and then load through and like really try to get on plane back here and, you know, get through the ball. And that to me was just like my rhythm and, and dancing, if you will, with the pitcher on how to get my body into that motion. I just think hitting was like a stationary deal, which we can go into the, in, into the intricacies of hitting, but, um, but I say I, I take who cares a lot about of hitting? Yeah, no, exactly. We only care exactly. about long snap. I've retired. That's all I've retired. I care about. Yeah. That. So I've taken a lot of that same, that similar approach and that mentality from baseball yeah. that I learned, and now I, now I'm able to put it into my job here, and I think it ultimately makes me able to perform at the level that I perform at and be the long snapper that I am. So I definitely am thankful for the stuff, the struggles I went through back in the day. And because I don't like it's easy to let that anxiety of not doing not performing get to you, especially, I mean, the Y word that we know in baseball for a pitcher, it translates exactly the same to a long snapper. And, you know, I'm never going to say the word out loud, but it'll it gets to guys and guys that I know guys that played 10 years that got them, you know, got it at the end. And then, and then they were out after and it wasn't because they couldn't do it anymore. It's like mentally they just weren't there. And. I think I, I'm able to, to kind of – the reason I'm able to handle it so so well mentally is because of all the stuff that I went through in baseball. You had a shit ton of failure and then you had to figure ton. your stuff out. Boy, I struck out 127 times in 2013. Woo! So I only had 319 ABs. Oh, that feels – oh, wow, that's a high I, I looked up the stats the other day when I was actually talking with um, Yoni Rosenblatt who works with uh, me and uh, Gavin Sheets. And we were running through my baseball stats, and I sent him a picture of my card. And I was like, don't look at the back of the card, all right? Don't flip it over. <laughs> you don't want to see those stats. But um, but I, uh, they're fresh on my mind because I just looked at them last week. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're seared in there. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever forget them, though. 127Ks. That's a lot. Did you ever have a golden sombrero game? Oh, dude. Did I ever have a golden sombrero game? You had multiple? Did I, I had a few of those. Feels good, dude, right? I, I think I've done every strikeout combination you could you could come up with. Uh, uh, up to I never had six abs in a game. So you've got five Ks. Yeah, fine. Uh, that feels good. Well, who was the guy? This who was the guy that played at Georgia? That had the five Ks in the World Series was Cerrone or? Oh, um, uh, I was a center fielder for Georgia in 2008. Bless his heart. And he, his name became the. It was like Cerrone or something. He became kind of the five K guy. That's yeah. not. That's not something you want to be remembered. For no, no, no. At all. I had several Golden Sabreros in my day. I know, it's, it's a cool name. It's just it's yeah. a it's, it's a shitty it's a, thing. Man. It's a tough feeling when you go when you go for four of them. Yeah, I, I had some games where I'd go. I like my first hit, and we were talking about earlier in this, when I was in the side league. <clears throat> my first hit, I was one for three, one for four with three punchies in a. Literally, I got fooled so bad on a breaking ball that I just happened to get like the edge of the barrel on it and. Hold it down the line. It was like three twenty. I was playing in Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, nice, nice location. <clears throat> good, good, good place. Yeah, good, yeah. Right down the right field line and poked it over for a three run, Jimmy. I mean, first hit in the Sally League. Probably one of my. If I had to guess, I'd probably say I had I had three home runs in the Sally League, so I probably only had like ten hits, 72, 70 something abs. It wasn't good. It's all right. My 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 twenty sixteen was. <laughs> Awful. It was just terrible. I was coming back from ankle injury. My mind was in a terrible place. Yeah. And I literally couldn't even hit a ball off a tee. That's how bad it got. How are you feeling? I feel good. I'm a little full. That's it, for sure. It, I'm yeah, telling you, the, fir- the first one with Calvin was 
It'll get you. Yeah. I, dude, I grew up playing your dad on uh, on backyard dude, backyard baseball, baseball on the computer. He wasn't even the best player, though. I love no, him. No, no. Well, Pablo Sanchez, no one's ever uh, gonna be better than Pablo. So we had this debate actually. Video game character-wise, Pablo's got to be one of the best in any mm. variation of any game. He's Dude. like he's like four eight, mm-hmm. maybe four five. And impossible to throw a strike to him. Yeah, and, and then home run. And then every anytime he makes contact, it's a bomb. it's a home run. I'd say the only the only player that could potentially rival him was King of Virginia and King oh. of Virginia ninety nine. Oh, okay. on the on the Nintendo sixty four. Oh, the Slugfest game. Yeah, King, King, King of Virginia Slugfest. Yeah. Dude, his, a little cheat code in there. And he gets home every and time. And he also would have the his like uh, a monitor, whatever thing he would use for his aim for hitting. Yeah. You try to line it up. Everyone else has like this big of one. Yeah. His, his is like this. The big. whole zone. <laughs> you can hit the ball if it's like on the ground. Like, yeah, it's perfect. He, uh, it, those two characters by far. I mean, Pablo was probably the best athlete of all time. Played all the sports: hockey, football, basketball, if, you name it. If, he, if they ever make a movie with Pablo, they better do it right because that was. That's something yeah, I tell my dad because the 01 game, I was excited he's on it, but I'm like, Dad, they kind of made you ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they and had he, some stuff. I mean, they had really some care. guys. That's, no, I mean, it wasn't for that, but I'm just like, man, like, they kind of did kinda, you dirty kinda, there. Yeah, I mean, they they gave you a long, big head. They gave you the eyes, <laughs> yeah, though. But yeah, 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 the long head. I remember you got the long head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's all good. But that Pete Wheeler look. Oh, Pete Him and Randy Johnson, the long head. You know, I, I forgot I was, there was one other player in there that I. That was that I liked a lot. Yeah, maybe it'll come back. But yeah, so I always talk with guys about or not things of it could be any sport. When we talk about Cedric being like, you didn't know he's gonna be the guy. Yeah. You thought someone else was gonna be the guy. Is there anybody you ran across being like, you're different? Maybe it's even like you played Roquan, played with Roquan in Georgia. Yeah. Um I, or another guy, maybe did you play against Cyrus Jones at Alabama? The cornerback. Yeah. So Cyrus yeah. is a Gilman guy. Okay. Went to Gilman with yeah. Gavin and I. Yeah. Um, but so like when I was playing with him, him and I uh played basketball together uh for four years. But athletic athletic wise, I'm like he's his athleticism, like he I said he he can be in the NFL. He did yeah. second round pick, had heart conditions, things didn't work out in New England. Yeah. And glad he just got his heart thing. I don't know if you heard about that. No. That was once in New England, didn't work out there. Like he played a couple of years there, got picked up by the Ravens. Had some solid years of the punt returner and then got waived. And when he got claimed by Denver, they found a heart issue. Oh, wow. And so then he got it taken care of, but that ultimately, you know, ended his career. But anyway, at that time, though, I'm like, oh, he's good. And then in baseball, I played with Juan Soto and and then I watched Gunnar Henderson, the bigs now, and those two guys. I'm like, yeah, you're different. I still remember I've told this story before, but people said that Juan hadn't even come to America yet and was going to do instructs. Because you don't understand instructs. Yeah, yeah, been three he, times. Yeah, so he times. came down to instructs from the Dominican, yeah. and he's 17. One of the coaches comes over. He goes, yeah, that's our best hitter in the organization. Meanwhile, Bryce Harper's there. Yeah. You have Ryan Zimmerman. Like, already guys are in the big leagues. They're was, like, yeah. And they're going, no, 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 he's, he's better. He's going to be better. And I'm like, everyone. I had like, a similar shit. experience with Rafael Devers. Really? He came over at 17 and instructs 2013, and they said, this kid right here. We play, both played third base. <laughs> You know, and they're like, this kid right here, this is about to be one of the best players we've ever gotten. And I, and we had like, we had signed, I mean, we had multiple guys. Like Travis Shaw was in the organization. Mm-hmm. Ga- Ga- uh, Gavin Cicchini was a third rounder for us. Uh, it was a third baseman. Um, 
you know, we had just signed um, – actually, we signed Jan Mankato the next year. <clears throat> but, um, but no, I mean, obviously, Rafael Devers is one of the best hitters and, or, you know, one of the best guys, obviously, for the Red Sox. But the only one still going that I know. But he at 17, he had this weird – he still had similar batting stance, but it was even more like he's kind of brought it back. Yeah. Like he's kind of toned it down a little bit as he's gotten older. But he was fresh over at 17. That bat used to face the pitcher. Like the the top of the bat was like facing the pitcher, and he would just like literally twist and just flick, and the ball would shoot out like a cannon. And you're like, wow, how the hell are you doing that? And at that time, I was 21, and I'm so I'm like four years older than this kid. He absolutely smashed the baseball, yeah. and he had a rocket across the diamond. I'm like, well, but the 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 first guy that I ever got around. Where I was like, this guy's different is Mookie Betts, by far. Yeah, I was gonna say I mean, Mookie became, by far. So immediately when you started playing with him, we became best friends like right away. But then, did you yeah. know then? Not until, not right away, because I remember I signed to the GCL in like right at the beginning of August. Yeah. And then he signed at the signing date, which back then it was August fifteenth. Yeah. And we had like. I think he only played one or two games. I think he only had like four ABs, and I don't think he did anything. Um, but then the next year, he broke. We were all the way through instructs to, or extended together, and he played. You know, we both played pretty well. Then he broke with Lowell, and I stayed in the GCL. And it wasn't until the following year we both broke with Greenville, and we were both. I'll never forget this. We were in, and it was early May. And we were in Charleston, West Virginia, actually, after sure. the trip in after. Rome. It was this, this same experience. This was the last game of the series. And the one thing I was always so surprised with Mookie was he was so negative to himself all the time. But not in like a – like not he, – he wasn't – he was almost like he was like a defeated, like, man, you suck. Like that's how he would talk to himself. And he could – at this point, he never hit a home run in his career. He didn't have any home runs. So this was – you know, two years into his career, never had a home run. And we were both hitting about – I was hitting like 150. He was hitting like 130. The difference was he was hitting 130, lining out to the center fielder. I was hitting 150, striking out, hitting a blue, broken bat single, you know. And we were in Charleston, West Virginia, and they had a kid who was a converted hitter that was pitching. And he threw like mid upper 90s to low 100s. And Mook was like – he had just lined out to the wall. He was like, I'm never going to hit a home run, man. I suck. Like, blah. And I was just like, I was sitting there with Matt Gedman, who his dad was Rich Gedman, who played Hall of Famer for the Red Sox. Um, and Matt and I both kind of looked at him, and we were like, shut up, dude. You're about to go up there and hit a home run. And literally since that day, he goes up there, hits an opposite field, line drive over the left center or right center wall. He has not looked back since that day. It was like May 4th or Third, fourth, or fifth. You can pinpoint uh, the, mo- the Mookie turnaround. And he has never slumped. I mean, I guess he slumped in the big leagues, but. We'll give him that. That's fine. He's literally in the minor leagues. I don't think he hit lower than 400 in a month after that. Because he was out of the big leagues. Oh, no, he was out of the minor leagues by the end of the next year. He went. He was in Greenville hitting 130 to got promoted at the All-Star break. Proceeds to hit like 700 in Salem and then goes to double-A in his first game in Double A, goes four for four with two with two dingers, and hit like three fifty in Double A, and then in the big leagues and or in the Triple A, and then 
played like 20 games in AAA at a position in the outfield, and now he's in the big leagues. And Whammy. Now he's, you know, Mr. $400 million man. Yeah, it's, that's he's, nice. He's Mookie Betts. He turned it on. Yeah. So, But he was the first guy that I was like, really like, man, this kid is far better than I will ever be. And then that wasn't just baseball. It was like, I remember we did a bowling thing for Nesson. Well, he's time. nasty at bowling. Oh, like legit nasty. Like, balls 300. And apparently, like, the last time I played golf with him was 2015. And he was just getting into golf. But he was still just naturally better than me. Um, but basketball, he had a chance to play basketball at Tennessee. He was going to Tennessee to play baseball and basketball out of high school. East. And, uh, so he's one of those guys does everything right. And yeah, you, you literally could – he could pick up anything from Guitar Hero, which we played a bunch when we were living together, all the way to being in the big leagues. The only sport I think he probably couldn't play is football. Yeah, you got him on that one. His mom never let him play growing up, so never played football. But um, I'm sure if he had played as a kid, he would have been really good at it. But at this stage in his life, he's you know 30 now, about to have his second kid or just had a second kid. Um, I don't think he could play. They so, say he can run routes, but it's a different breed. Any, anybody can run routes in thin air. So what for someone that you know, I played football for just a couple of years, like one year in high school, a couple of years in middle school, played a lot more basketball and baseball. My too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess for you, what was the biggest thing that you noticed when you got to the mm-hmm. NFL? Because it's funny for me. I was thinking about the long snapper thing. You. Or trying to block, and you mentioned like trying to block guys like Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald. Yeah. What goes off in your head as soon as you snap it? Is it like brace for impact? I just hope to God if they're out there, they're not going full speed. Uh, when 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 we line up, normally when a team rushes a punt, they have like specialists that rush punts. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's like, like for us, we have we use Adafe and. Um, we use um, Ajabo. Yeah. And then we have Kyle Hamilton. And that's yeah. kind of who we used last year. Yeah. And those guys are all – obviously, Kyle is the only one who doesn't play linebacker. But they're they're all, like, tall, kind of lanky, at really the, fast. At the length. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of teams do use guys like that or guys like uh, – Pittsburgh uses kind of a – I think he's like a running back maybe. He's a, maybe a safety. He's a smaller – Guy really fast, really strong, really explosive, but he's he's not, not super long. And then they use Derek Watt, who's a, obviously a Watt, so he's a big, bulky guy. Um, but most of the most of the guys I go up against, I'm not. They're not like crazy big compared to me. I mean, yeah. I am 270 pounds, give or take. So I'm yeah. like, I'm a big. Yeah, you dude. call me tiny. Yeah, I'm a big guy, so I can usually hold my own. But every now and then, like Miami rushes Christian Wilkins, who's they're starting defensive tackle. Unit. Absolute beast. First round draft. He's an absolute animal. He's he's probably the best guy I've ever gone up against that went full speed. And I was genuinely like, I'm going on the ride on this one. And luckily, I, we did go on the ride. Didn't block punts. So that was good. That is very good. Yeah. So what are things, then, as we're wrapping up here, what are things that getting the football that, that people don't know just about things that you've gone through between baseball to football. Do you enjoy the lifestyle with football? Yeah, the lifestyle is better. It's a lot better, like family oriented. Um, you don't travel. Yeah. You know, like we leave for like a day. Basically, we're gone for like 24 to 48 hours, depending on the game. Yeah. Um, so at home a lot, we're kind of stationary. There is a lot more. I don't want to say a lot more turnover, but there is a lot of turnover in the NFL. 
Um, they always say not for long NFL. But um, but I think my position is perfectly structured for my personality. Yeah. It's very relaxed, very chill, you know, but it's also like kind of in the limelight in a sense. Yeah. Like especially being here playing with Justin, having the ability to make field goals that most people can't make or won't even try. Yeah. Um, you know, doing that is really is really cool because we get into some some really big time moments like we did in Detroit a couple years ago and had some game winning field goals and stuff like that. So I think you know, I think I was built to do this. It just took I just went the roundabout way to figure it out. Yeah. And, do you get um, tense in those moments when it's a game winning field goals? I mean yeah. I mean I think it, you're lying if you say you don't. But I think you know one of the things that we do really well here is like we prepare for those moments starting you know day one like we don't what justin and, and sam and morgan were really really good at is is playing well in those situations and being in those situations a lot they know like what it takes to succeed and so we're not just going out doing our work like all right you know that's we made the field goal today that was good we're like everything we do is geared towards like would that ball go in in cleveland in 20 degrees on a frozen field, you know, and like everything has to be perfect. I think I I help myself and we help ourselves a lot in those moments because we of how hard that we prepare getting to that. Yeah. And I think any professional athlete would say the same thing. Like yeah. the the preparation and the practice, I always feel the best when I'm oh, like I'm at my absolute maximum preparation. I've you know I've worked my tail off for this moment. Like yes, I get tense, but. I like think about how hard I work to get to where I'm at and like get to this exact moment. And I have so much faith in the guys that I work with that I'm like, all I have to do is do my job and then they're going to take care of the rest. And I think that takes a lot of that away from me. And we have really good chemistry with Jordan and Justin. And, you know, in Detroit, I had unbelievable chemistry with Sam Cook as well. And that just makes it so much easier. I mean, it doesn't take away the fact that it's, you know, a very high stress situation, but it makes it easier when you, it, it yeah. makes makes you relax more when you there's a there's a trust there's a chemistry there. It that, takes the pressure off me because I know ninety nine times out of hundred, if I do my job exactly how I'm supposed to do it, they're gonna Sam's they're gonna, gonna you know Jordan's gonna do his job and Justin's gonna do his job and we're gonna we're gonna make field goal and we're gonna win the game. Yeah, and I think you know we have kind of a phrase that we say right when we do that, like right when we go off of that moment, and that phrase kind of blankens my mind. And, you know, it's kind of a foolish phrase, but we say babies and memories. And it just, for some reason, it's just clicked in my brain that, like, it erases all the, the noise, all the outside noise is gone. And it's like, I'll focus on Jordan and I'm like, do my job and they'll take care of the rest. That's perfect. Like a, a piece of advice that you kind of live by. Like, it, that, it can be a motto, it can be something that you really resonates with you. I think... <clears throat> The biggest thing I struggle with in baseball is like being where my feet are. I was so focused on getting to the big leagues and like that was the only thing I thought about. And I, I, I never focused on the process. And I think the, the one of the things that I've learned so much about from Justin and Sam and Morgan and everybody in Baltimore, it's like you can only control what you can control. And they tell you that in baseball, only control what you can control, you know, which is kind of you know, it's it's like, what does that even mean? Well, it, like, I what agree. does it mean? Yeah. Especially in baseball, like, what? I don't know what that means. But like, being in Baltimore, 
working with Justin so much. Like I give him, you know, and Morgan and Sam, I give them all the credit because I don't think I'd be where I'm at if I hadn't been able to be with them for a whole year and learn from them and learn under their wings for, you know, since 2020. It's just focusing on the process. Like we work so hard every day on being perfect all the time. And when I go to the game, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen exactly how it's supposed to. Yeah. My body has done it. You know, it just takes over. My mind basically shuts off. And I don't – it takes a lot of those nerves away from it because I yeah. dealt with that anxiety even my first year with the Saints when I was trying to make it in the league. I couldn't get over that performance anxiety. I would go out there and I would get stressed out in, in the, and only played eight plays in the preseason. Yeah. And I'm like nervous as all get out. Balls are going everywhere. I'm snapping terribly, and it's not good. You know, it didn't work out for me. I got cut, obviously. And <clears throat> so what I've learned here is just focus on the process. Work your tail off every day, you know. And the thing I learned the most in baseball was you got to have fun. Yeah. You have to enjoy what you do. You have to find a way to have fun, stay positive, you know, and just – enjoy it like it's eventually it's going to be over sooner rather than later and you know i think if you can trust the process and and find a way to have fun and stay positive throughout all the trials and tribulations i sky's the limit for your potential yeah. well yeah you're right we do get caught up so much with other phrases or where we want to go we don't yeah. stay where we are and also if you put the work in and do the process trust the process and that can be cliche but, yeah, but you've seen it from other people that have had success, Always. and I mean, everyone, that's. I think everyone can attest to the same thing that made it. Like, and the guys, especially the guys like like I grew up idolizing Chipper and Jeter. Those were like, and Barry. Well, I love Barry Bonds, so Barry Bonds as well. Um, but I feel like they would say the same thing. I don't even know them, but I feel like they would say the a similar statement as like trust the process. And have fun. I mean, how, how could you not have fun? You're playing, you're playing, you know, for me, I'm playing football. I don't work a real job. I have a great job. What's there not to enjoy? It's stressful. Yeah, so what? But so is everything else. I worked a regular job. It sucked all the same. I, I, I was a financial accountant, and it was horrible. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it fits and you or no, was that no. fun. I don't think it fits my – and my wife would say the same thing. We worked at the same company. She's glad I don't work there anymore. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, but, again, it's perspective. Perspective 100%. on what we're doing, and 100%. that's the thing for me. Like I'm, I'm doing all this. I don't know where the hell this is going to lead. Yeah, um, I think it can lead somewhere, but the journey of it, like I, I, I love playing. It doesn't yeah. beat that. But then you got to yeah. move on at some point. Absolutely. You enjoy the ride while you can. Keep snapping footballs. I'm going to think about how you're in your power stance. And, yeah. And now I'm going to be. I'm just going to be eyeing that every single time. I'll be out there. I'm going to need to get your mom's cupcakes at some point here. Don't I, think I uh, forgot about that. Oh yeah. She'll she'll bring them up. Don't worry. Right. She will send them up. If if she sees this, she will probably send them via mail. I would gladly. She mailed my cupcake or my my birthday cake to me in 2020 during COVID. She, I wasn't allowed to have visitors, so she mailed a UPS or USPS. That is incredible. She mailed my cake, and I ate it for like two weeks. Probably why I was like 270 that year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the weight then. You yeah. call me tiny. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. I think we're good. Are you good? I'm you good. Set? Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so Hopefully much. this was seamless. Is that okay? Yeah, it was fantastic. 
I had a great time. I appreciate you having me on. All right, so we'll we'll run that back, you know. Okay. With more yeah. food. No, 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 actually, we'll just we'll eat more a different time. Oh, right, well, that's good. <laughs> we need more food. Yeah. So as if I can already yeah. even bend over. That does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Nick Moore. But before we get out of here again, if you could please like, subscribe, and review the Off Script with Rip podcast, that would be extremely beneficial. And you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, really anywhere you get a podcast. And you can watch the full episode on YouTube. We're going to have more episodes from the Iron Rooster as well coming soon. But that does it. I will see you next week for another episode of Off Script with Rip.